Hey everyone, welcome back. Welcome back. We're live. We're back again. We're back. Man, one more again. We're always back. Leg hurts. All the backs. We hairy backs, regular backs, all the backs. <laughs> I'm Spencer, and of course we have our licensed clinical therapist, who's also now about to get his doctorate. I come at doctor. There. Doctor Nas. No, it's official. I can go by Dr. Nas after last Wednesday. There you go. So now he's Dr. Nas, everybody. Welcome I, to the show. I can officially do surgery and look at people's moles. That has a sense of humor. Great. <laughs> and this is the Different Spectrums podcast, where we talk about movies, shows, and the mental health aspects that surround them. Yep. We also have some laughs, so don't take us too serious. Also, don't forget to run up those likes for us. We'd really appreciate it. Thanks. So, today, we're going to be talking about the show Snowfall. Follows a young man who was, um, I'm going to be honest with you, deals crack. He deals crack, everybody. I love a good crack. I like the big ones. So he actually, he's like kind of the mastermind, right? His name is Franklin Saint. Um, and we're mainly following him, although he, there are some guest appearances by um, his aunt. Um, and then also his best friend, Leon, and his father. So the first thing that we're going to cover um, is going to be the actually the first episode where um, at the very end, he sees his dad, who's now homeless, Um sees him and then kind of is like, nah, drive away. Cause he's a little bit ashamed of him um, or just is mad at him. Right. <clears throat> and then we're going to be checking out another scene from the uh, last, the series finale. And uh, when Franklin kind of goes down the same path as his father, um, abusing alcohol mainly um, and now is on the streets. So, I'm um, going to get into a little bit more of what the show is after we watch the clips. Yep. Um, but before that, Nazir, anything before we get into them? Uh, everyone, the merchandise, the shop, check it out. Yeah. I finally got my shirt. And let me, yeah, let me put it right on the bosoms. Yeah, it's, it's a, a hoodie. But... Well, it's a hoodie. Well, it fit like a shirt on me. <laughs> yep. So this is the up in the clouds. Uh, then yep. I got a few more things coming. They're coming in the mail. Uh, pretty good material. I like the material. The sizes are yep. literally spot on. Uh, I got like kind a of soft. a weird body. So, like, I'm like torso super tall, but it does fit actually pretty well. Um, got that thick body. That did. double wide. <laughs> Jeez. So, uh, please check out the shop, folks. Super excited about that. We made some updates yep. to some of the website stuff. Uh, check it out. Continue to follow us. Continue to support us on Spotify and Apple products. Uh, also, we got a tip jar on our link tree now. Ooh. Five, ten, or if you can't make any of that, just a few dollars. All of it helps with all the Google Drives and the resources that we're putting together now. So we're nice. adding resources for people to use in the link tree. Mm. Any mental nice. health things. I got apps, worksheets, all types of really good stuff to help people out. Um, yes. All right, let's have some fun. There's a couple main themes that we're going to look at and dive into. Uh, that Spencer wanted, and let's do it. Let's yes. check it out. Whoop whoop. Whoop whoop. Alright. Jerome is telling the truth, you know. That 
that shit ain't worth the trouble to come with. Why you bring me in there? Or what? Let some Russian gangster kill your ass? He is Israeli. Whatever he is. If you smart, you introduce him to Claudia and get out. I do now. that. I get nothing. I'm going to start talking. And that did it. <laughs> that fucking did it. Man. shit up myself. Stop. Stop. You don't understand, yo, yo. I'm... <laughs> I ain't got no fucking change on me, man. Hey. I'm free. Free from all of it. Fucking way, not yours and not theirs. Mm. 
You're my best friend. Best friend I ever fucking had. And I'm fucking proud of you. You saying words on no spell that again? Oh, okay. A G five. Student coming to office the other day. Oh, so you think you the shit, huh? So why are you acting like that? Oh, so you because you know how to spell words, uh huh? Okay. Okay. Thinking like you're a fucking a student or some shit. Yeah. Oh, just because you can okay. spell, you better than me, huh? <laughs> Jesus. Right. So, the show. So basically, <laughs> what uh, Snowfall is all about. Um, set uh, during the time of the rise of the crack e- epidemic, Jesus, in LA um, in the early 1980s, and um, follows these different characters that um, are trying to, you know, hustle slash make it out of their hood or where they are at least. Um, so we have Franklin, who's our main character. Um, so he starts actually by. Um, uh, selling weed and then kind of moves on to like cocaine and then goes in the crack game. Um, and then we also have Leon, who's his best friend who um, grew up with and is kind of like his uh, enforcer um, in different parts. I think they're in like Watts or some shit. Like technically it's Compton, but uh, I'm pretty sure um, Leon's in like Watts. Um, and um then of course we also have um his aunt who um who Franklin actually got both him his uh uncle and his aunt um into the game so they're helping him try to sell drugs as well and so he's kind of building this empire with his friends and family um and so we kind of see him work throughout the show and maneuver different ways and we see different um relationships be broken because he, because Franklin is trying to get ahead more into the game than anything. And he thinks like money is going to make him happy or it's going to give him a place in the world where he has power. Right. Um, and then he starts working with um, Teddy, who's a CIA agent. 
um, who's trafficking in drugs, and then now they're distributing those drugs, and so Franklin has to give him a piece um, of what you know he earns and stuff like that. So there's that, um, and then so we're gonna break down the first scene. The first scene has to deal with it's the end of the episode. And um, Franklin and his aunt are driving in the car, and um, they he just sees like his father who's um, homeless, and um, we see in the clip that he's just like just drive the fucking car because he's angry slash um, a little disgraced by his father um, because of like what he did, and so his father is was an, a Black Panther, and from what we've seen in just history in general it's just a lot of people in the black panther party um decided to go to drugs and alcohol um to kind of cope with what they were going through um because they had these ideals and these ways of trying to you know unite their people together um but then have it all kind of ruined by let's be honest the u.s government um bringing in kind of making them kind of go against each other um, and fight and make them lose everything that they kind of built up. And so now <clears throat> we're seeing that um, with his father who turned to alcohol um, as a coping mechanism um, to try and get through those hardships. And then that, that's what broke up their family. Um, oh. So for the first clip, what did you think kind of watching it? It was kind of short, but at the same time, um, like what were you kind of thinking while watching it? Uh, so the first clip, right, where they're in the car. He's talking to yeah. his uh, his partner in crime there, his auntie, or, or, or right, that person in the car, the woman. And uh, she's trying to gas him up. And make him like you know think that he's strong and powerful. Looks like he's more weak in that part, right? He's early on in things. He's still very young, or immature. She tries to give him a pistol, this and that. And so we'll show a little bit of that in the clip. And then right, he sees his dad. He's like, "Hey, you want to talk to him?" Um, so there's multiple different things that could be going on. The relationship could have been poor. Could have been mad at him. Could have been like disappointed that he's drunk walking the streets. It looked like he was homeless. There's some shame in there. It could be some guilt in there. It could be some anger in there. It could be some fear in there that they might become you one day. Because if you ain't got mm -hmm. too many things going for you and you're already getting a pistol shoved on you, there's not a lot of options for a lot of poor folks. A lot of black and brown folks, uh, especially even then, mm -hmm. now there's more options. Still not that many, though, if you grow up in a shitty neighborhood. Um, but life deals you these cards. And, you know, these cards are not good ones that he was dealt. Mm -hmm. Right. And then, you know, you end up seeing Pops there. I mean, sad. And you also know that he's probably terrified because he's like, oh, shit. Therapeutically, I know some people would slowly work their way towards the Pops, meaning they'll do things to almost guarantee that they're going to end up on drugs or in prison. Right? They'll almost guarantee it because you see no way out. Mm -hmm. There's no way out. So you give in to these things that end up leading to bad outcomes. Mm -hmm. And I'm not even saying that it's wrong. I'm just saying some people, it's the only choice you can see because that's all that's in front of you. And then there's right. a different route. And I've worked with clients, right? There'll be like five of them that are hooked on drugs and going down a bad route. And then one of them goes the complete opposite. I'm not mm -hmm. doing any of this shit. And then they, right, they succeed because I'm doing everything opposite of everyone. Uh, so in that moment, I would, because I haven't seen the show yet. In that moment, most of my clients 
was either they're terrified either way that they're going to become that or they're terrified that they don't want to become that unless they start achieving or they start sabotaging. It just depends. That's mm-hmm. what I was thinking about. Is right mm-hmm. there is the divergence. What the fuck are you getting ready to do? You're getting ready to pick up that pistol and then you know that's going to lead to some weird stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. I feel like many of us that grew up poor or grew up in weird situations, so many options to become like the people or your family or to choose not to and to be better. Mm-hmm. It's a very it's a very difficult line. I just got done following mine and completing mine. I decided to go completely opposite of everyone. Right. I'm not going to lie. I'm vilified by many mm. uh, because I don't talk to people. And then uh, I recently Spence was working with a student. Uh, I'm telling him goodbye because I'm probably going to be leaving. It's the summertime, this and that. They're mm. crying. I'm crying. It's a whole thing. And I showed him the clip of the Irishman. Mm. Right. I showed him the first scene when he gives him the ring. And uh, you know mm. how strong I made you, right? It's my favorite scene. But then I showed him the last scene where they're eating the bread. And I choose us. Fuck them. I choose myself. Fuck everybody else. And so that scene in there reminds me, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? It's a, it's a terrifying moment. I can't even imagine being in a moment like that with him. I was never in that type of moment. I was in many other bad moments, but not that one. Right. Uh, small scene, but if you think about it and metastasize it out with all the generational trauma, poverty issues, drug issues, where they're at, being black, that actually scene has a lot of gravity to it. Right. Yeah, totally agree. And um, kind of going off of that, like Franklin, he, I think he was going to like, I want to say like UCLA or Berkeley, something like that. Um, and he just couldn't pay for it. Um, Fuck. Yeah, he couldn't pay for it. And so he pretty much got like kicked out of school um, and then had to go back. So that's also, you know, a really big that's a big part of the story because he has seen that failure but he you know he reached like new levels when it comes to his income making money he like he had all these different businesses in the neighborhoods and stuff like that um and then ultimately he loses it all um because he was just he just didn't know when to stop he didn't know when to stop because mm-hmm. All those other times he was taking these huge risks, um, making these plans. But then all of a sudden in like the last two episodes, you just see him slowly like going downhill each time, just losing everything. His mom goes to prison, um, stuff like that. Spoilers. But um, it's it. And I couldn't actually watch like most of the last episode because I could see where it was going. And it was just, I just, cringe. sometimes I can't look at that stuff. It was, very, yeah, it was very cringe. Cause like he started drinking, um, like, cause in the show he doesn't really drink that much. And then all of a sudden when all this shit has started happening and, um, he starts losing all of this, he starts drinking more and you're like, oh shit, he's about to fucking, I know he's about to lose everything. Yep. And I got watch this dude slowly deteriorate in front of me. Great. Um, but yeah, um, and so, and you know, Franklin throughout the show isn't necessarily like a nice guy by any means, right? He's okay. not nice or anything like that. It's more of, you know, he's such a a character to kind of gravitate to because he's black, because he's, you know, doing all these, he's, he's not like just, he's not doing just crime to do crime. Like he's doing it in a meticulous way, right? Um, 
And it's just kind of sad to see that, um, even though you could, because a lot of um, what I've seen, a lot of people who were in the drug game back then become homeless because there's only a couple ways that you can really go out. It's either, you know, dying or yep. going to prison or yep. just being on the streets and losing everything. And that's what we see here. Yeah, it's not like those drugs that they were doing, the crack. Uh, those are some pretty tough drugs. It's going to deteriorate your brain. Uh, yeah. Same thing with like meth and all that. It's not, no, weed. Yeah. weed's not going to, you got to smoke a lot of weed for a long time to deteriorate your brain. Uh, but alcohol, man, that can, it takes a while for that to pickle your brain too. But mm. these other drugs, uh, the harder ones like crack, heroin, meth, man, mm -hmm. that'll, that'll tear you up so quick. Uh, yeah. Intense. Or like these people, what they're doing now, not the Oxycontin. Uh, the fentanyl that's killing everyone now, man, it just, God, it's horrible drugs. Uh, so there's a different epidemic. It just cycles the drugs. They just cycle and they cycle and they cycle. Now it's fentanyl mm -hmm. killing everyone because they're putting it in everything now. Yeah. Uh, let's, uh, let's intro the second scene and then we'll yeah. chop it up real quick and I'm gonna throw it back at you. Yeah. So, um, so the second scene is all about um, it's Franklin. This is at his lowest point. This is when he uh, lost everything, but he still technically has his mom's house um, that we've seen throughout the series. And um, Leon, he took over um, the drug business for his neighborhood and is uh you know he's trying to give give back to the community and everything like that he's trying to do things because he saw just all the violence and the despair that all the drugs that he was dealing was giving right um and so now he's kind of giving to the community and stuff like that so he's you know elevating himself um and then now he goes back to franklin and he's like hey man I'll, I'll help you get a job and stuff like that and all that. And he's, and then of course, Franklin's just like, nah, man, I don't want that. Um, so it, really in this scene, he's kind of telling him, Hey, I'm proud of you, but I'm free now. Now they don't have anything on me. They can't tell me that uh, they can take away certain things now. Cause all throughout the show, it's pretty much like, we'll take your money all this stuff like if you don't have the money what do you have and all that um and so now franklin's at a point where he is um he's, he says himself that he's free right that yep. they don't have the chains around him anymore um and the only way for him to be free apparently is to you know walk the streets and just drink drink and drink um in a way, I think Franklin, um, I want to say that Franklin is free, you know, living his own life, doing whatever he wants to do and all that. But at the same time, it's like, for what, though? Is it just for yourself? Because he technically he does have a kid. He has a kid. Um, but the um, so in one of the last scenes, like, you know, he was drinking heavily. And so he I think he's choked like his baby mama. Um, and then, you know, she was like, I'm done. Bye. And then she left. So wherever she is, um, with his kid and now it's, he's just roaming the streets, just like his dad did kind of foreshadowing, um, that first scene in the episode to the last scene, um, mm -hmm. of what he would become 
just like his father. And all that had to do with pride and um, him being too proud to admit that a he should have got out of the game as soon as he should, as soon as he could, um, and take care of his you know take care of his wife and his and his uh, son or daughter. Um, but now, yeah. So now he, so now he's technically free. So I kind of want to get your, um, I want to get your input on what he said about being free. Um, what do you think about that? Like, you know, he goes, you know, he had to always be step-by-step with somebody always trying to plan, be meticulous about everything that he did. And now he doesn't have to worry about any of that anymore. So in a sense, yes, he is free um, from people. But what do you think about that? Technically, we can all be free of of things. Uh, if you're looking at existential issues, you have people that subside or not subside, concede to understanding that they have to do a lot of stuff. They have obligations. They have duties. They have work. They have mm-hmm. things that they have to do. And then there's other people that are lazy fair with it. Like, yeah, fuck it. I ain't going to do nothing. I'm going to live free and do my own thing. So he is free of a lot of different obligations now. He doesn't have to worry about anything anymore. Mm-hmm. So let's say this is clients. Clients mm-hmm. will come to me and be like, well, if you don't try, you never fail. That's that's the, the vibe that he's giving. If you don't try, you don't mm-hmm. fail. If I don't try and I'm free and I give up all these things, now I can just kind of never really be in pain, but you'll never really be happy. And you're probably always going to be drunk or high to dissociate from all the pain because you don't have anything. But technically Mm -hmm. you're free because you don't have any anxiety about things. So he's Mm -hmm. free of anxiety. Mm -hmm. He's free of fear. But now he has to live with all the shame and the guilt. Right. And thus he has to turn to the drugs and alcohol to like dissociate from it. Is he free? From some shit, yeah, but now he's owned and shackled. He said, there's no chains on my neck. Mm-hmm. Well, there must be because you wouldn't be drinking. Right. Well, for someone that's had everything, had nothing, then had everything, then lost everything, you're going to be pretty mm-hmm. suicidal. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and so to cope with that, where, uh, you know, other cultures, other folks, specifically white folks, they might do something else, but a lot of black and brown bodies, suicidality is really not a thing. Uh, yeah. And so we cope with this, or we do a few other things that are more homicidal, uh, which we'll talk a little bit later. Is he free? Yes, but he is now slave to other things, Mm. Uh, which sucks. It really sucks. And now he's let down himself. He's let down his friends, his best friend, his his wife, Mm -hmm. his child, uh, Mm -hmm. or his partner and his child, right? So... Are you free? You're free from a few things. Yeah, you're free from your fucking house payment. You're from free yeah. from, from societal constructs. Right. But no one, no one gets the only way you're free. And I hate saying this. The only way you're free is if you're dead. Mm. And I'm not like advocating for any like uh, suicidality. I'm just saying that to be alive is to be anxious, is to be obligated. Uh, right. Interesting thing, I had a human tell me, multiple humans, all neurodivergent, sometimes just depressed. They'd be like, hey man, I'm not going to work nine to five. I don't know what the fuck I'm about to do. I can't do this stuff. I don't want to do this stuff. And they'd be like, I'm just going to be a homeless person and just go get a tent and live in Cali. I'm like, oh shit, okay. Well, I'm just going to, I've had 
all genders tell me this. I'm like, bro, you gonna get hurt, or girl, you gonna like this is not yeah. a good living. No, especially a lot of women get sexually assaulted and stuff like that because it's like police, you know, don't really intervene with that stuff. They just don't. And they're like, yeah, well, this is the only thing, only option I can see for myself. I said, nah, man, there's no other options. You're going to have to work some type of job or get some roomies. Like, there's a way to make it in this world to where you right. don't have to do a nine to five, where you can find accommodating things. You can work mm -hmm. on the telephone. I, we can figure something else to where you're not a vagabond. That's what the human said. Mm -hmm. uh, it's yeah. like this homeless kind of panhandler. Well, they say, oh, there's this panhandler on YouTube that makes $200 a day. I'm like, bro, you in the middle of nowhere, Indiana. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah. No, that's probably big uh, city stuff right there. Yeah. So, yeah, you want to be free from some stuff, but then you're going to still have other obligations and this and that. Yeah. And yeah, you know, it's interesting when people get into this freedom stuff. You're always obligated and held by something. Interesting stuff. Uh, yeah. So I'm going to kick it back to you real quick. Yes. I know this was a hit. Everyone watches it. My dad loves the show. This last scene was all over social media uh, because they were like, oh, man, they showed him in a power suit. And they showed him looking like bummy as hell, like a crackhead at the end. Yeah. Um, and I said, wow, what a fall. Uh, why did you want to bring up the scenes? Why did you want to finally get to this? I know it was good, but like, why did you want to get to it? Yeah, I mean, um, so I saw on social media, somebody clipped together these two clips. Um, and, you know, I just actually watched uh, Dear Mama, um, the show about Tupac and his mom, um, how she was a Black Panther. And then she, you know, very intelligent, very, very am amazing woman. Um and and then you kind of see her fall because you know government took down the black panthers and stuff like that whatever um and you know it just it sparked something to where i was like you know what i think we should talk about these things um because they're still relevant to this day of why you know when we a lot of people get into certain situations um especially when it comes to like cops and black and brown folks, um, people of color and how, you know, they get treated by them. You want to immediately, especially for men, um, black men always want to try and be macho, be tough um, to kind of hide the scars that are already um, in there. And so I think that's a big thing, especially for Franklin. Um, and they do it so well in here. And he thinks like, because um, before he would always, he was just, you know, some kid who very intelligent, who would, you know, who wasn't really part of the streets and stuff like that. And then all of a sudden now he's like a like drug lord, essentially. Yeah. Um, and now he's like this overly macho. I just think that Snowfall does a great job of showing um, people of color um, and how they, you know, how they cope with the certain things that they go through and not necessarily gives them a happy ending, you know, because we aren't because it's realistic, right? Yeah. We don't get happy endings. We get realistic endings that are tragic um, and sad. And so I think that um, I love this scene because it didn't just cop out and be like, yeah, he just flew away to Panama and lived happily ever after or whatever, right? Like they actually give you some talking points and some things to think about 
about how we think about pride and how we think about um, what we need to do in order to survive in, you know, the U.S. and things like that. So um, it was just too great. I think I, I really mainly wanted to do it for the second scene. Yep. Um, but I think that the first scene really gave us, um, the ability to kind of foreshadow, like I said before, um, what was going to happen. Right. Yep. Um, and I was telling like one of my friends, I was like, this is not going to end good for him. There's no way in hell he's going to end up like happy. Yep. Um, no and that was kind of the thing. Yeah, no. And it's like, I don't know if anything could make him happy. Um, cause he was so just, I want to say like diluted by money, you know, and oh, yeah. power greed. that comes with that. Right. Yeah. It's greed. And then, you know, just trying to act like he needed to be this certain person when he didn't need to be, he should have just got out when he needed to and just lived a normal life, but he didn't want to live a normal life. He wanted to live an extraordinary life. Yeah. Um, well, that's yeah. what most people kind of want Spence. They want to, uh... Big, 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 big. Because we all are so right. sad and so afraid of being mediocre or less than mediocre, which most of us are just average fucking people that probably will never do a massive impact in the world. You'll mm -hmm. have impacts in the world around you, but you're not like this major, major thing. We're an Olympic right. athlete or you're solving cancer, right? It's, even it's, that, though, it's like, even if you do all that shit, like, no one's going to fucking remember you. Let's be honest. Like, we fucking go through, there are th millions of people that have done a lot awesome of things shit. in our history. We don't fucking know. It's true. Like it I was all saying, fades within a decade, not a decade, within like one generation, I mean, it fades. Yeah. Like, for example, Tupac Shakur's mom. Freaking, she was one of the people, along with the Black Panthers, to actually get people to uh, get rights for when they don't have insurance in hospitals. Like, they helped write that for people. No one fucking remembers that shit. Yeah. No one remembers that. So that goes back to the greed thing is, how much do you keep clawing and fighting for? And then does it take away from some of the other stuff? So you keep going for the shiniest, shiniest object because there's this deep hole inside of you showing that you need to prove yourself or to do something big. Mm -hmm. But it's probably insatiable. Like, you'll never be able to fill that hole. It's just an empty pit. Uh, and mm -hmm. so he keeps reaching and reaching and reaching and taking more risks. Mm -hmm. And you see a lot of people that are hood rich that do that um, right. because they want to show off and they want to show the prowess and the power and like that only brings more attention. That brings more, uh, more money, more, more. What, what did Biggie say? More money, more issues. More money, more problems. More money, more problems. Uh, uh, and it, more and it's money, true. more problems. M O. Mo. Yeah. Got that. More money, more problems. Yeah. That's what it is. Um, yeah. and so greed is a part of all of us. We're all greedy. We all want more, 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 more. You'll notice that most of you, when you buy something, it's immediately what's the next thing I'm going to buy. You true. notice as soon as you do one thing. Or make one accomplishment or the immediately is what's the next thing that you're going to accomplish. So right. first thing someone asks you when you graduate, when I graduate, what's next? I'm like, I'm going to eat tacos with my father and buy some pie. Yeah. But no, no, no. Like what's next? I'm going to eat tacos with my father and eat some pie. Right. And they just look at me all fucking weird and mad. I'm like, fuck you, man. Leave me alone. Mm -hmm. Can I just sit and eat my pie? Like, just let me be fat. 
Jesus Christ. Uh, they made me fat, man. Yeah, I, I got to this pinnacle. I'm allotted at least three months. Uh, mm. Right, it's been a long time. So if I was super, super, super greedy, what's next, what's next, what's next, what's next? And don't get it twisted. I'm planning a lot of shit still, and I'm working on stuff before this and after this. But the obsessions have calmed. I'm also mm-hmm. very privileged to be making some decent money unless I can relax because my job's not on the line. Mm-hmm. Um, so the greed thing is a son of a gun, uh, Spence. That's probably what killed him was the greed uh, of power, mm-hmm. of money, of fame, of clout. I'm not saying I don't fall into that, but the only clout that I want is with my clients. Mm-hmm. I want them... I enjoy when like I know Nas or go talk to Nas. I enjoy that. But it's not like I want them to like praise me because I hate when people clap for me. Matter of fact, mm-hmm. I tell most people, don't clap for me. At the end of my thing, don't fucking clap. You want to do something? You make a promise to me right now that you're going to take this shit and go help someone else. Mm-hmm. But don't just clap and then forget about this shit. Go, go, go do it. Uh, but I do want the clout where people enjoy me and then hopefully they can replicate it. I just trying to get people to be a little better than I was be better than mm-hmm. what they were before they met me. Um, but these points that we wrote down earlier. Yes. Pride. Like you said, big one, big thing, uh, amongst folks of color, big thing with everyone, big thing. It gets in the way of a lot of stuff and knowing when to stop, knowing when to be moderate in America, we struggle with moderation. Right. I'm a big boy. I cannot regulate my eating at all. Now, you know, it's getting better now, but that's because I'm on some medication. Um, moderation is tough. Drugs, alcohol, video games, people, a lot of issues with porn, uh, yeah. cell phone usage, internet usage. Uh, there's a lot of things that we get addicted to because of the dopamine, serotonin release, right? And we get lost mm. in that virtual reality. We get lost in whatever it is because it helps us dissociate, helps us cope. And instead of talking about stuff, our pride keeps us kind of in there. Yeah, it slowly kills us. Uh, so we've got pride. Obviously, we got a little talk we're going to do about drugs and alcohol. People of color, we're going to talk about suicidality slash homicidality. Uh, but I like what you said. He did it his way. Mm-hmm. There's Frank Sinatra stuff, you know. That, that. But his way ended up killing him. He destroyed him, but then again, chances make champions. My father always says, chances make champions, but they need to be calculated risks. Mm-hmm. They have to be calculated. Uh, you have to be methodical with these. You have to be very intellectual with these risks. Because if you're just taking risks, eventually you're going to get fucking caught. Yeah. Got to be very calculated, people. All right, so those are some of the big things we'll talk about in a second here. Uh, for anyone watching uh, that's neurodivergent, right, is a neurodivergent podcast. Uh, these will be good metaphors. Watching him in the beginning being sad about his father, being ashamed, guilty, and about the different how different choices that he could make. Good metaphor for that. The second scene is really good for love, uh, for love of his friend and support, but then also probably some guilt that things have fallen apart so bad. Uh, guilt that you know he can't support him anymore. I say it'd be a good metaphor for a lot of men and not uh, ever giving love out. And then you finally do. 
but it's at the very end where you're pretty much dissociated and you're mentally gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, so some really good metaphors on say your freaking peace to the people that got your back. Say it, say it soon. Say it, say it to them often. Uh, and you know, I, I, I fucked up and I didn't record my, my dissertation defense the other day, but still in there, I thanked my two friends that were in there with me. I had some other friends in there too, but I think Spence and Colin specifically, and then my father. You know, all the people mm-hmm. like congratulate me and all that stuff. I'm not thanking them. I'm thanking the people that actually had something to do with my success. You have to say those things. As a man, you have to. All right, so we're back from that cut because I lagged out, but we're back now. Uh, so, yes. you know, we were talking about a bunch of different things, a bunch of different topics. Um, but specifically, uh, we were talking about how the, the last scene is uh, love uh, between the dudes. Um, mm-hmm. also good metaphor there is, you know, yes, doing your, your way. So in a neurodivergent world, uh, you're never going to be able to do what other people do. You're never going to be able to fully integrate into the neurotypical world. Get away from that. Get, you're going to kill yourself. You're going to burn out. You're going to be depressed as shit. You're going to be tired. Uh, the assimilating and camouflaging will kill you. So do your best to seek out accommodations, to find these pockets and spurts. If you need to go home like I do and just not talk to anyone instead of doing all these social obligations, but find and integrate yourself into society and make it to where it works for you, not to where you're working for the rest of society. So yes, do it your way, but don't do it so much, but then you get ostracized so badly and now you're a crackhead. (laughs) Avoid... Avoid crack and fentanyl right now. Dude, avoid yeah, fentanyl, man. Avoid, you know what? If you didn't know, crack is whack. So don't whack. do it. You know. Whack. Yep. Um, so I think there were some cool points to let the neurodivergent folks uh, relate to. Um, but also you'll notice, right, drug and alcohol stuff, very common folks on the spectrum. Because of all the traumas that we face and dissociations that we face from high stress, drugs and alcohol help with that. He was very dissociated in that last scene. He was kind of doing his own thing in his own mind. You could see him being dazed and confused. That can be a mm-hmm. good metaphor for panic attack. That can be a good metaphor for just uh, maladaptive daydreaming, what neurodivergent folks do. Um, and his poor hygiene, pretty bad. Poor executive functioning at the end there, pretty bad. Uh, you mm-hmm. may, Those are some neurodivergent things that could be talked about or representations in the reels that'll come out. Okay. Let's take it back now. Um, I'm going to go into something and then I'll let you go. Uh, it's like you were saying, right? We, we Earlier, we get these shitty hands. We're dealt. And you just, you make a choice. You try to survive. Uh, so I got a bunch of students that have been in gangs, clients that have been in gangs, selling drugs, doing shit, stealing, right? Whatever. Uh, robbing. You know, and then they come to college and they still got some of that mindset mentality. And then some of them have worked with me and I'm like, okay, what are we doing, man? You ain't in the hood no more. Like you in college and shit. Right? We got to change. You ain't a thug no more. Like, you can act like a thug, but like you're not. You're a fucking student now. Um, hmm. And I started to notice with a lot of my clients and even myself that suicidality is really not a thing. Black and brown folks from poor areas, very masculine, very macho. So it's side alley, we're not doing that. You, know, you don't see that at the highest rates amongst our folks. What you do mm-hmm. see, though, is suicide alley by homicide. So not where I'm going to kill someone, but you will put yourself in a situation where you most likely will be killed. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, so I've noticed for my clients is that they'll be aggressive or violent or drink, and then they'll be in a situation where they could die. They keep putting themselves in these situations where they could die because they no longer value their life. The life is now horrific and terrible and anxious, and it's just so much. And so this is an easy way out. You will start mm-hmm. something and then have it done to you. So I remember when I was a little shit ass and depressed and a bunch of other things going on. Uh, I'd be playing basketball. Spence only got a taste of it. Uh, I'd be playing basketball and, and I would start stuff or set horrific illegal screens. Uh, and I knew a fight would occur. Right? I'm doing it because I want the fight to occur. And, you know, mm-hmm. I didn't mind taking an ass whooping. I didn't mind getting into the trouble because I actually would feel something. What I would feel was the aggression, the anger. I was kind of fun. I was kind of sadistic. I was kind of fucked up, bro. Um, So you only saw maybe once or twice where I got like super angry, but it was never because I wanted to get into uh, a violent altercation. I was just angry um, about what happened. But before it used to be like, no, I was trying to get my ass kicked or to kick someone's ass. I was looking for a good time. Sometimes I act like I was like the nice dude. I'm like, no, nah, I was, I was looking for trouble. Uh, and when you grow up in a household with violence and abuse and alcohol, mm-hmm. you get used to certain things and you look for certain things and you know you you try to be the college student, but things still come out. So it's interesting. How much suicide by homicide? It's an interesting thing that people of color do, is then you ain't no punk. Ain't no punk then. You're not just doing a suicide and killing yourself. You're doing it, you know, you're going out like a man. Still a dumbass, though, because you're still going out like a chump. Because you're not working on your shit. And technically, it took me a long time. It took until someone actually loved me and showed me a different way, one of my friends, after I tried to beat his ass. (laughs) Of course. Yeah. Why not? But also, this is like all the way up until like graduate school. Every one of my best friends would tell you, if Nas don't try to whoop your ass one time, he ain't your real friend. You're like, did he ever throw you through a table or chair? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Good. Good. Glad I was out of that face. Jesus yeah. Christ. Well, to be, to be fair, never happened with Colin. Well, I mean, why yeah. he'll throw Colin will say shit. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> well, yeah, that Colin, too. Yeah. Colin will say shit. Uh, yeah. Actually, uh, to Please my don't. boy... Big skip and big chunk. Never really got too it's aggressive to me. In your fucking friend group, it's very we were all very big, bro. I was the baby. <laughs> oh, Jesus, Christ. I was the baby, bro. Like, <laughs> yeah, it was all big boys, though. These motherfuckers would eat. We go up in the buffet, they'd be like, "Damn, uh, you're back again." Uh, both of you couldn't. <laughs> one of you just come in one it was, day. It was bad. Another. Man. It was bad. They had to start hiding the sushi from my one boy. Oh my god! <laughs> he back again. Oh my god! I didn't full do, fully do the accent. I'm not getting canceled. Yeah, of course not. It was, it was semi there. Semi there. Uh, so that was one topic I wanted to talk about. I'm gonna kick it back to you. Yes. To talk about like the loss and failure, drugs and alcohol. Uh, we're gonna get into that. And then the pride stuff now. Uh, we already touched on a lot of it. We're going to dig into it a little bit further. And then we'll probably uh, we'll wrap up a little bit. So you picked a scene. Yes. You already explained some of it, right? I mean, 
all the stuff from the Panthers, generational shit, right? You got nothing. Mm-hmm. You had everything, then you got nothing again. Fuck, man. I think that's that's worse. I think I uh, there's probably two different answers. Most people would rather choose to have all of it and then nothing. Mm. But that would make you so much more miserable because if you just have mm. nothing and you stay consistent with it, then you, you're not that sad because this is your life. Right. Statistics show, though, when you lose shit like that, though, it makes you feel so much more horrific. Yeah, of course it does because <laughs> we're so, now we're you so driven to be like the best of the best, right? To have as much money as we can. We don't care if we scam, hurt people, do whatever we got to do. Um, and then it's like, so I scammed and hurt all those people and then it was all for nothing and then I lose it, you know, and that's kind of the thing, right? It's just like, cause you do so much to get to there. If we did nothing to like, to get all of this money, to get all of this fame, whatever the fuck wouldn't mean anything. Not a big deal. Fuck it. Wouldn't mean anything at all, and also, but then it, we would also lose. Like it wouldn't mean anything at all in general. It wouldn't mean shit if something was easy, right? So it's like, you know, it's. I think a lot of people that lose everything, they feel it a lot more because they did so much to get to that point. It's not like they just fucking walked in and they're like, "Oh, a million dollars, yes, nice, cool." <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah. Well, all right. Oh, didn't think that would happen today. Colonel Sanders, oh, you. you're here. Nice. You're at the meeting. Yeah. Oh, chicken recipe? How many spices? <laughs> Thank you. As it tells you what. <laughs> like Colonel Texas. at your graduation would be sad. <laughs> yeah. What up, big man? <laughs> oh, you ain't died diabetes like a, yet. <laughs> he just has like a cane with like a chicken wing at the end of it. <laughs> Jesus. I'd eat it. <laughs> And you just take what I say and just make it so much worse. All right. Landing the plane. Um, but yeah, I don't know, man. That's a tough one. Are you asking, like, what would I rather be? Whether I be like I, nothing I feel or like everything? I know I would rather choose. Mm-hmm. Now, I think I would rather choose gaining all the shit and losing it, even though I know it's mentally going to be worse. But if I wanted to be stable the entire time, then it would just be like kind of very low. But uh, man, if you already know you could gain everything, why wouldn't you take a shot? Uh, but the problem is with the question, it's like, A, you know, there's no middle ground. So you can't really go into that. So it's like, yep. do you do you think that you can recover from losing everything? That's the or, question. Yeah. Can, do you think you can recover from it? And it's like, if you don't try at all, then it's like, what's the, then what are you doing? Like, what are you going for in life yeah. at all? Because let's be honest, if a, you're not going for like, you're not going for status, you're not going for a relationship, you don't want anything. You don't want anything at all. So you can't really feel anything. But then if you have everything, what, like, what's important to you it's going to be the money so all your relationships don't mean shit either way so either way you're fucked because nothing means anything to you except for getting money yeah unless if you take money out of it but well, not if you take money out but if you're okay you with being out. poor right 
And because you've got your group of folks or whatever it is, and you're okay being poor and living check to but check. But you and have those friends, though, because you're willing to give up those friendships yep. for your money. So are you willing to sell out all your friends for that money? That's the thing. That's the key. It's like, at what point is too much too much? And when do you stop? When Correct. do you stop? And that's a tough one for everyone. Right. Ooh, let me say this. What? A human asked me. He said, Nas, you can't save everyone. I said, yeah, I know that, you jackass. I'm just giving you a... F I'm talking out loud. Just shut up. And I said, you know... Because they keep asking me, what's the right choice? What do I do? What's, how do I know I'm being a good person? How do I know that I didn't fuck all this up in college? How do I know that I did the right major and that I chose the right friends or that I wasn't more extroverted? How do I know I didn't blow it? And it was done is done. We move forward. You try to do better. You try to open up new doors and pathways. They said life for me has been like a burning candle. But I only got one candle. And I know it'll mm -hmm. burn out because it's not infinite. The candle will burn out. The right. candle, for some reason, slowed down when I met you. Mm -hmm. Thus, I have more time. Right. But Nas, the candle will be gone soon. So then what? What happens when I don't have anything? I don't know anything. I don't feel anything. I'm just walking around in the darkness with a candle. Before you, the candle was almost gone. But now it's gotten bigger. So I said, buy a new fucking candle. I said, find a flashlight, get a lantern. He said, you're saying these things, Nas, but that, that doesn't make sense because that's not how it works. And I said, yes, you can make the game better. You are now educated and have your own path. Nothing can hold you back from the past. He said, I get what you're saying, but still. So I said, okay, let's try this. You're in the darkness. Hmm. You have one candle. It's only a matter of time before you find the door that has another candle or all the candles. You're literally just buying time until you can find that door. You will find the door. The question is, is what are these other candles that you're looking for? Is it money? Is it relationships? Is it a wife? Is it a dog? Is it a house? Is it financial stability? Is it vacations? And so this is what we're working through. So after we did this metaphor with the candles... I said, I don't know what my next candle is. I'm going to get this doctorate, right? I'm going to do some jobs. I said, uh, this person called me the other day, wanted me to give therapy to their son that's on the spectrum. Um, mm -hmm. So that was at like six in the morning the next day after I did my thing and you were in it, the dissertation defense thing. I said, man, maybe right. this is a sign. Maybe I'm obligated, I told the boy, to do this because no one's really good at doing this in the community that I could help out so many people and save so many lives. But then mm. what about all these athletes and students that I'm really good with? So how can I hold all these identities? I would love to get this athletics job, and then I would be letting down all the people on the spectrum in that community. He said, you can't save everyone. I said, I know that. But the thing is, is that I could save a lot. Mm -hmm. He said, Nas, which one is your candle? I said, they're all my candles. It was a very interesting conversation with the human. I was trying to explain that I don't even know what I'm doing. So why the fuck would I expect a 21-year-old to know what you're doing? Right. Why would I expect that? I don't even know. I'm just showing up, man, seeing what the fuck happens. Day to, it's day to day. Mm -hmm. So if we go back to this scene, 
There's certain things I couldn't lose without being extremely suicidal. Just going to be honest. There's certain things that I couldn't lose. Mm-hmm. There's certain things that I couldn't lose without being completely just dissociated on drugs or alcohol. I can lose a lot of things. And who knows? I technically mean you can't answer this because we don't know our ver- future versions. We don't know how right. much we can actually take when we're pushed to that limit. None of us know. So all of you listening, right. you won't even be able to answer this question because you don't know what you can take and can't take. Mm-hmm. But I do know there's a few things that it would be hard. Um, and so that would be tough. There's a few things where I'd be like, uh, what's the point? Right. But who knows? Maybe I have more candles now, and thus there is point and meaning. But there's certain things where me or other friends would be devastated. So I don't think I can answer that question. But I do know that I can I can lose a lot of shit and I'll be fine. But that's because I have faith in the foundation now, Spencer. Me and you mm-hmm. have foundations. We're privileged. We work right. harder shit. And we've done some things. We lucked out, you know, been through some shit. But we're privileged now. So there's only like so yeah. far we could fall back. Yeah. Because then we can still make some money and like live okay and have an apartment and shit like that, you know. Right. So let's say if you're like a tech CEO or like a CEO and then you lose your entire fucking company. Like I, I get it, you know. You gonna jump out the fucking window? And I, I, right. again, I don't right. do it, but because you should probably recover off of bankruptcy. Like you can figure this shit out, homie. Um, and the thing is, though, in the kind of difference with this is that you know, with a tech CEO and all that stuff, like you have connections, you make connections. You with can people, get out of it, and then you can get out of it. With Franklin, though, he can't get out of it because Nothing. he made it was with drugs people and drugs and you know he made an enemy out of the government like yep. he can't there's nothing he can go back to like at all um and Perfect so point. with him he it's more of like now he it's like do i live this life of where i might be miserable like doing it every day like an everyday job and stuff like that where i used to be or do i just not do anything and and just live my life being you know at least somewhat happy or at least you know in the middle right or at least in the middle. Because if you that's the yeah. difference. If you touch the high, the ecstasy, and the pinnacle of having all that shit, you can't go back to being a regular person. No. That you could have to swallow your pride and eat crow and then go back to grinding. You you that would be hard. That would be hard. Could I go yeah. back to being like I used to live? Ooh. Depends. Probably I would hate it. But could I? Yeah. Yeah, I could. Right. But what I want to know. Would I want to go back to, you know, me lit sleep in my bedroom being the kitchen? My bedroom was the dining room in our Jesus. apartment. We had a two-bedroom apartment, and there's three of us. Yeah. And I've had it before where it was, like, super sus in many other places. Like, could I go back to that? Yeah, because I was actually still happy in those times. But right. now that I have, like, a house and car and, like, money and vacation time and all that shit, it'd be tough. Yeah, because you have you zero go- time for, like, yourself. Like, you have to... Make sure that you trying to just grind and get the money, like you said. Yeah, it'd be tough, man. Um, so yeah. the good point is that me and you, we have this foundation. So as my father says, this is why he's always excited when I got my bachelor's and then my master's. Mm-hmm. He said, you're good. Mm-hmm. I can die today and I know you're good. Right. You've got a foundation. I don't even fucking care when I die. You've got a foundation. Where he would say, right, my shit was built on quicksand. 
Mm. There was no foundation. So when I slipped up, it was gone. Right. There's almost no ability to recover because of the way uh, I have made things. He said, you don't have to worry about that. Even if you fall back, you're dead or you're good or he would be dead. Mm-hmm. I remember sometimes I joke with students. They say, hey, fuck it. If I lose everything, I'll be okay. I was already poor before. I can do it again. I also say, if, hey, if I go to prison or jail, I end up just doing therapy in there. So it'll be all right. I'm also a big boy, so you know, I'll be all right. I'll be all right. Uh, <laughs> be all right. Be yeah, I'm actually probably doing better than I am now. No, <laughs> jeez. <laughs> no breaker for myself. <laughs> I got me good women. <laughs> hey, how you doing? <laughs> yeah, I do pretty good. <laughs> um, we have foundations. Uh, uh, I want I want to be loving in what I'm saying here now. Um. Mm-hmm. You don't have to have fucking college degrees to have a good foundation, but True. you you do have to have at least a resume, yeah. maybe a little bit of credit too. So resume and credit, as long as you continue to build on those things, I think you'd be very successful. Um, by resume, working, volunteering, experience, giving, you know, there's ways to like build that up. That way, even if you get fired from one place, you can go to the next place. Um, mm-hmm. But then also, you know, it depends on the cards that you dealt. You know, if those jobs aren't paying that good, but a lot of jobs are paying a lot better now. Yeah. Still not all living wages, but you can you can navigate that because I know I've navigated it. Uh, where you can get on some stamps, you can get some roommates, right? You can get a couple people in the house to help out. You can figure it out to live an okay life. I guess what I'm getting at is that you don't have to have a college degree. Only 30% of Americans have a college degree diploma. Mm-hmm. It's about 7% have a master's and a PhD, less than 1% that have a doctorate or a PhD. So I'm in that 1%. But if you look at that 1%, it's less than 1% of that 1% mm. that are of color. Yeah. So I'm like, technically, I'm at like the fucking pinnacle yeah. of a terminal degree of a dude of color. Yeah. That feels kind of good. So if anyone ever fucks with me, I'm being like, yeah, you reference me as doctor. I am a doctor, sir. I would never say that to anyone, but if someone ever came with that smoke, well, I'd be like, hold up now. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> Wait a minute. Let me pull this up real quick. You just keep it with you. You're like, yeah. Go ahead. Whip it. Yeah. <laughs> and be like, uh, how's it feel to know that I grew up completely poor uh, with both my hands tied behind my back? I still have a higher degree than you and better credit score. And uh, just to let you know, Special education, I still can't fucking read or write worth a shit, but I got a doctorate. Go fuck yourself. Uh, That's one of my things I always say when I talk about people who, um, like, really inspire me or anything like that. I'm like, this dude fucking has a learning disability and still fucking gets his doctorate. I'm like, this nigga, like, that's where you want to be. You just keep going. And I, I think about it, I'm like, School was just easy for me, other than the ADHD, dyslexia, and right. uh, a few other things, the reading and writing. But it was still like it just was f- routine. There was a routine to it where everything else was chaos. Right. And I knew that that was the way out. So I'm going to take us to a different direction. Story time. Yes. When he cried, and he was drunk, mm-hmm. right, and he's drinking, and he cried, and he showed that emotion. He was being super real in that moment. It made me think about Moss. Uh, she was mm. drunk a lot. Uh, 
And she was a badass businesswoman, man. She was making money hand over fist, yes, you know, and later in life, uh, she would give it away and she would blow it all. And, you know, I never would ask for anything, so she never gave anything. But she would give it away to all these other people. Uh, she would pay for others' loves, other people's love. Uh, I never asked for anything. And then at the end, she was asking me for money. Uh, mm -hmm. Lots of money all the time. And I always said no, because uh, I never asked you for anything. So brought this up because when she would actually give me compliments like he did, like, I love you and I'm proud of you and all these things, like you were my best friend and all that. I would say things affirming things here and there, but whenever mm -hmm. she said it with meaning, she would cry. But specifically when she said it with meaning, when she was drunk, she would cry. I feel like whenever we say things with meaning, it brings out deep emotions. But specifically, Mima, she had an inability to do it for real, for real. She had the facade that she had on 99% of the time. Right. Always masked, always facade. Ma had a lot of trauma. Not going to get into that. Very horrific things that was done to her. And then mm -hmm. a very poor childhood. Many, many, just it, tough life. Tough, right. Nothing even imaginable uh, what I went through. 50 times, 70 million times worse. So I'm not even... Mad. I used to be mad. I'm not even mad at mom. I have empathy for mom. But that's what I was thinking of is that her inability to be connected and to be real. Inability to do it. But in that moment, homeboy was so real yeah. that they both cried. Mm -hmm. This happens with me with students. I wanted to save this conversation, so I'm not going to talk much about it because I want to do this one with Serena. Uh, yeah. When I have to say goodbye to clients, but specifically at the end of the semester, like, you know, uh, when I left St. Mary's, yeah. so now things are kind of in the wind if I'm leaving this summer. And so I'm saying goodbye to students and it's, it's been some tears in my office this last past week. It was fucking tough. The one the other day was, it was tough. Right. And I'm telling you, man, when these neurodivergent kids look at you and you look at them and they just don't leave your office, mm. I'm not kicking you out of my office. So fuck it. We're going to sit here. So instead of like, 20, 30 minutes, it's two hours. I'm like, fuck, I'm not kicking you out. I'm not doing it to you. Uh, it's it's tough. Uh, it's tough. So we're going to we're gonna talk to Serena about that in a different pod. We're going to show some saying goodbye things, and that would be traumatic as fuck. Um, but boy, whenever I get it kicked into gear and I start being real, real, and I unmask, God, I tank so bad. Yeah. And I only do it when the student's completely tanking. Mm-hmm. I'm like, ah, it's okay now. I don't want to tank, and then you're just sitting there. You're <laughs> <laughs> like, okay. Yeah. Well, I broke Nas. I broke the did your toy. I think my time is up. Yeah. I'm like, oh shit. You're like Nas, I gotta go to class. Oh, fuck you, bitch. <laughs> no, you're gonna sit here and watch me cry. You're, you're gonna affirm me. Um, <laughs> you're gonna affirm the shit out of me. Uh, it was the cutest thing. Students like, nah, it's gonna give you a hug. I was like, I knew you wanted a hug, kid. Gave him a hug. Gave out a hug. I gave out fucking three hugs in last week, sons of bitches. Wow. That's a lot of hugs. I know. So mad. Why am I giving you a hug right now? I guilted the one boy. I was like, hey, you made me give you a hug last week, you piece of shit. He's like, I didn't know such thing. I was like, you're right. <laughs> Wait a minute. Another guy. Sorry. My bad. My bad. <laughs> Uh, all right. So that lost thing, tough. Uh, yeah, we did a little story time. 
Only thing I got left is diagnosis and treatment. This was a good clip that brings out multitude of different things. Yeah. Multitude of different things. Uh, any sauce that you want to put on top of this burrito? Food. <laughs> I love how that's sad. Yeah, it's always food. That's the only thing I think of. You want to put some ice cream on this pie? Like what? <laughs> yeah. You want to put that, some sprinkles that on this? That just sounds dirty. Yeah. <laughs> um, I just think that, um, especially when you talk about a lot of people want to say that, you know, things are just black and white and they're just very blunt and easily talked about things. But when you talk about trauma, especially when it comes from black community, it's very multifaceted. It's very... Levels to the a shit. lot of layers. Yeah. A lot of layers that go underneath that. And you can't just, it's, it's a lot of people just find it easy to just throw, like, just say like, whatever, like y'all just lazy or some shit like that. Yep. Whatever. You're right. And, you know, and especially I think when it comes to people who are going through things and um, especially mentally, um, when it comes to anyone who's homeless and things like that, we don't know what the hell they've gone through in their life. And sure. I read a, I read a comment one time saying, or on like this, one of these uh, videos just saying like, you know what, when I see like an OG or something like that on the street, I'm just going to talk like, I want to talk about their life and things like that because you never know what these people have gone through and what their lives are a lot of people that are homeless have been through amazing things in their lives and they just mm -hmm. you know went through a couple bad things that really turned them around and made them you know um go to the streets instead of you Give know up? clinging on to like another like home life and stuff like that um so don't always just go by like the, the, I don't want to be corny, but you know, go about, you know, what's going on in the layers of somebody instead of just what's what you see out front, I guess. Yeah. Like yeah. I don't be so judgy of some folks that are on the street or going through stuff. Uh, have yeah. a little bit of empathy. I ain't saying be best friends and like walk up on them, but I'm just saying, you no. know, have a little bit of empathy. Don't be so fucking disrespectful. Yeah. That's where I think everybody kind of fucking just pieces of shit just you know want to be you know either messing with people who are homeless and stuff like that it's like dog what are you doing don't do what it. are you doing with your yep. life what are you uh, doing? but yeah and uh, in saying that right the homeless issue has skyrocketed in 2020 because everyone was losing everything and then it's so expensive to live in california yeah. and seattle and all these big places so it's really hard to live you can't afford to mm -hmm. rent even if right. you get a job, you can't afford it. And so the wages just haven't kept up with inflation over the years. Right. And so a lot of people are forced to live in tents because it's just easier. Even if you got a job, it might be easier to live in a fucking tent. The tents are actually pretty nice now. True. Yeah. California. I'm never living in California. That's like never, ever. That's just a yeah. waste of money at this point. Bro, you, bro. Get, you get one sick day, you might lose your job, then you lose everything. Jesus. <laughs> Seriously. Uh, yeah, it's terrifying, bro. It's like no space. Um, so in saying that, uh, man, there's some really sad stories about black folk that are bipolar, or schizophrenic, and that end up becoming homeless. It's a lot of awesome athletes. Mm -hmm. Uh, there's a bunch of stuff on like, uh, there's, this is WNBA player was like a God in basketball and then just lost her mind. The schizophrenia took over and that was it. 
So people mm-hmm. try to talk to him on the streets, and you just can't. Um, yeah. Same thing with a bunch of current basketball players. I know Ben Gordon is bipolar as hell. I knew I knew he was having a manic episode when I seen it on Instagram a couple All weeks right. ago, and they're like, "Oh, yep, he's running around naked again." So, uh, like, legit. God uh, damn it, Ben! Put some clothes on. Yeah, man. and then like, yeah, he's just. I just know he's getting taken advantage of so bad. So oh, eventually, you probably end up being homeless because it's hard to stay on meds when you're bipolar, or schizophrenic. Man, you got to be very mm-hmm. militant on it. You have to have good executive functioning, a support system. Um, it's just tough. There's so many people going through so much shit. Uh, it's tough. It's, it's really tough with homeless folks. Uh, and so some may choose it. Like some of my students are thinking that they're going to choose that instead of going into the workforce, being neurodivergent, they just don't see a way out. So they're going to be a vagabond. I had to Google it while we were talking. I just, for me though, it's just like, if you choose that life, like a lot of these people are forced into that situation. And if you choose that, that just, I don't know. That just, they just don't me, see themselves being like, able to like work, bro. Pop out to me, but you it, know. yeah, I know. I don't want the student to do this. I'm trying to figure out yeah, some ways, not. but I don't think they have the executive functioning to like go with it with me. That's right. And they just, they just don't. And so they're going to just choose this instead of with parents. And I'm like, all right, uh, I don't have enough time to meet with you to help you figure this out. So I feel bad. Mm. Here's what it is. I can only do so much. Uh, yeah. So that was a good point about homeless folks. Um, we look at the diagnosis for him, definitely trauma, PTSD. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's some generational trauma in there, obviously, as well. Uh, you're probably alcohol abuse uh, disorder or drug addiction. Many folks that are in his situation are going to be addicted to the drugs that they're selling. Um, it's mm-hmm. going to be very rare that you don't dip into any of that stuff. So their right. their fall is going to be a lot quicker than his. Like the fall is going to be right. pretty quick. Uh, also, you're probably killed much quicker, uh, most folks, or in jail much quicker. It's really hard to do anything illegal these days. It really is. Yeah. There's so many cameras and everything. It's just it with tech, it's just so hard. Um, right. So, I mean, obviously, therapy would be a resource, medication, uh, job placement and all that stuff. That's if the person wants to go through with all that job placement stuff. Obviously, he didn't want to do it because he doesn't want to play the game anymore. He's not playing the game. No. He's done. He's done. Uh, and I'm I'm not even hating on it. Uh, no. It's not his time right now. It is what it is. I mean, you can only do so much. You only have so much candle. Top right with, and if you don't find another candle when that motherfucker runs out, hmm. yeah, well, what do we do? Right. Uh, good clips. Um, I'm gonna acknowledge all the people that are going through bad depression, mm-hmm. uh, that are going through alcohol and drugs right now. That are, I want to, I want to shout out the people that are doing their thing, doing therapy, uh, listening to the podcast, listening to us, maybe having some laughs. But yeah. also like trying to better themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, today we talked about finding that candle and what is yours. How do you help? How do you get people, the people to help you find that candle? Who lengthens it? Uh, you know, if you choose this homeless, if you choose to give up in these things, maybe you can for now, and then you can figure out how to get back on that horse later on. Uh, I'm not going to shade anything. Because it's not my life, so how can I shade you for something? I may I may disagree with it, but I'm not going to shade you for it. Uh, I just know it would be a tough life to to choose what he did. Yeah, 
We also talk about men, masculinity, pride. Uh, pride Which, hurts a lot way, of us. Song at the end, Kendrick Lamar, Pride. Such a great song. Good. I'm glad you shouted that out. Uh, the song yeah. at the end was good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the song at the end of the first scene, wasn't that, wasn't that Kanye West? No, that was uh, Nina Simone. Oh, okay. So someone, I think Kanye West had a remix of it, and that was the beginning of it. So, yeah, so he probably sampled it at some point. But yeah, that was Nina Simone. Um, yep, there you go. Okay. Yep, good song. Um, so I said my piece on this. Uh, this will get us to do the Giannis uh, clip when he got kicked out the playoffs. So we're mm-hmm. going to lead into that, and then we'll probably release that, like, on uh, not a full long, long, long pod, but we'll see what happens. But right. we'll release that right after this drops. Mm-hmm. I'm done. Sweet. Uh, thank you everybody for watching once again uh, go to our merch page it's on our link tree it's also on our website so just click shop and then click one of those links below and then you can order one of our hoodies that is the in the clouds hoodie yes designed by Nas himself and he's just done all right yeah he's just he's gone full college white girl right now <laughs> no, sad so- college white girl when it... <laughs> oh my god uh no whenever i get nervous in the office and my students say stupid shit i'm just like i hate you <laughs> jesus Christ. all right thank you everybody once again we just watched snowfall give it a give it a go give it a look it's actually a really great show not a lot of white people have watched the show <laughs> No. As I found out. No. Um, I'm like, hey, did you see Snowfall? They're like, what the hell is that? I'm like, never mind. Never like, mind. Why do I watch black people doing drugs? I'm like, Jesus <laughs> Christ. It's a story. You want to watch fucking... You want to watch a goddamn slave story again? Watch this instead. Yeah, be true. Fine. Yeah, let's actually yeah. learn about how the government destroyed entire populations by infiltrating yeah, drugs we into don't, the community. No, we can't talk about that. It's only we talk about slavery. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Talk about the government all the goddamn time. All right, I'm going to get off this rant. Thank you, everybody, for watching. Okay. Peace, everyone. Yep, much love.